Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Clive Higgins of Leonardo UK. Leonardo is a top 10 aerospace defense and security company. It's also actually one of the UK's biggest onshore suppliers of high-tech equipment, the MOD. I think what's interesting from a social mobility perspective is it's got several sites across the UK, ranging from Basildon, Bristol, Edinburgh, Lincoln, Luton, Southampton and Yeovil, and it employs seven and a half thousand people. It's also involved in some of the crucial research and engineering driven work that's part of the development of a digital fighter jet technology and the production of that next generation of military helicopters and one of the founding partners of Tempest, which is all about creating that next generation of combat air systems for the UK. So it's right in the heart of that defence debate and defence and engineering sector. It's a really fascinating business. So Clive, thank you so much for finding the time to do the podcast. But I mean, perhaps before we get going, maybe tell us in your own words about what Leonardo does. And and then I definitely wanted to come on to almost how you end up in that sector and and your own journey. Well, Justine, it's... A pleasure to be with you and, and thank you for the opportunity to speak for you today. So, yes, as you said, Leonardo, um, a defence, aerospace and security organisation. We do um, have facilities the length and breadth of the UK. And I'm, I'm really proud that uh, we're one of those organisations that deliver those kind of high value, high worth jobs into the communities that we serve. Um, we have a helicopter business in the UK. Um, it supports um, the armed forces and international armed forces uh, with our, our products that we deploy internationally um, and our defence electronics capability in Edinburgh, in Luton, in Bowden, Southampton is second to none supporting the UK's typhoon fleet and many other um, very advanced international products. So we're really proud uh, of the, the real value that our activities bring, not only to the UK, but our our um, partners and stakeholders internationally. And the, the, the way that we get there is through the innovation, the investment in the skills, the people, um, allowing them to bring their best selves to work, to be able to ensure that they can deliver um, against those exciting projects they're working on. From my perspective, um, I was one of those people who didn't really know what they wanted to do when I um, left school. And I kind of decided that I didn't really want to go into full-time education and it seemed like an apprenticeship was the the only other thing on option at the time. Did so you, I, I, did you, um, Clive, did you just feel like you'd had enough of being sat in a classroom and and so it's just it's, time to do something different? Exactly that, Justine. I felt I, I didn't see myself going off to university. I didn't see myself, yeah, staying in academia for a, another kind of four or six mm-hmm. years, whatever it might be, and I thought, get an apprenticeship, earn some money, uh, pay the parents back a little bit to help with the rent, that type of thing, and in, in, in go on and in, in buy a car, actually, was one of the, one of the key <laughs> Yeah, not a bad aspiration. Um, and Leonardo Westland Helicopters, as it was at the time, was the biggest employer in the area. I was really, really fortunate. I applied for the apprenticeship, got in, um, and then realised I'd spend a day a week at college learning <laughs> for the next four years. So I, I never got away from it. But um, yeah, very much started my career as an engineering apprenticeship, working on the aircraft, loved it. Um, spent a few years um, on the shop floor. So um, on various different aircraft and people might have heard of Apache. They might have heard of the AW101, the Merlin, 
um, and the link to a wildcat as it is now. Um, but only after two years, I decided I wanted to do something else and I actually applied within the company to um, um, join the Apprentice Training Managers Programme. So uh, at a very young age, getting to look after the um, kind of cohorts of the next generation coming through our schemes of apprenticeships. And that's, and, and if you don't mind saying, that's a bit of a, bit of a change in a sense. So you, you, you're getting your footprint into almost the core of the business, which is engineering, and you find that fascinating. But what, what was it that made you then think, actually, I, I quite fancy doing something a little bit different around apprenticeships? It, it was just that chance to kind of see from another side of the business what mm -hmm. went on. And as I'd just gone through the apprenticeship myself, I'd done an NDQ at the time, a National Vocational right. Qualification, yep. some, some people of our vintage might remember. Um, it was just a chance to give something back. And for me, as a 22, 23-year-old, also then effectively managing 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds, um, a huge a kind of step in my, my career and a chance to really um, see from their perspective what the future could hold and help nurture them in, in bringing through the programme. And I absolutely loved it. I stayed in HR for 18 years after that and um, um, took on various roles, including eventually making HR director for Augusta Western, our helicopter mm -hmm. business at the time, mm -hmm. um, and lived in Italy for three years. So I think what that experience taught me was with organisations such as Leonardo and many are like this, you can change roles every three few years and you can gain massive experience and you can take opportunities to work in different departments with different people or even internationally. And I think that um, type of opportunity that these organisations can bring is, is really valuable. And I guess it's also it's an industry that's always changing and the tech side of it, particularly as that's become just such a growth area generally, presumably has almost taken it in a, an additional direction that makes it even more fascinating. That's a really good question, Justine. I think um, the, the, pro the projects I worked on as an apprentice, so the AW101 Merlin is still in service today. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whilst you've got a, a platform or an aircraft that will be in service until 2042, um, is the current out of service date for that particular product, but it's come in for upgrades. The technology is changing, the software is changing, the capability is changing. So you can spend a whole career with one platform, but you'll be doing different things. Yeah. You'll be advancing its capabilities. You'll be working with different people as you get different customers. And I think that is just fulfilling and really meaningful as a as a, a kind of career path for people. It never stands still, does it? And I guess um, I guess now looking at that apprenticeship route that you took, which is fantastic, and, and it clearly shows that actually there's so many different routes into a business like Leonardo. Tell us a little bit. Obviously, it's it's apprenticeship week. Um, it's that that sort of time of year. But tell us a little bit about the sorts of apprenticeships that you are offering now for today's today's Clives who are joining the industry and business. This is. I think a really exciting year. Leonardo is doing some fantastic things. We're actually growing our um, young careers population by 50% this year. So we'll, we'll be mm -hmm. pushing towards 800, 800 plus people on young and early careers programs, which is a significant investment from an organization. Um, those 
opportunities sit in business administration, they sit in engineering, they sit in technical skills, there's graduate opportunities in business and uh, design engineering, uh, software development. So it's a whole breadth of opportunity. Um, the length and breadth of the country, you mentioned the um, locations we have facilities. Um, we're about to launch a new facility in Newcastle as well. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to have 200 highly skilled employees based there permanently. But again, this gives us the leverage and the opportunity to work with local schools to give them the opportunity to have careers in some of those apprenticeship programs I just mentioned. So um, I'm really, really pleased that we've got the capability to grow those programs um, and that we can now work with a, a huge range of new partners in that northeastern area to um, welcome them to the Leonardo family maybe, but also engage with the supply chain and all of those customer stakeholders as well around that area. And I just think it's really exciting because actually what what you're showing really clearly is how many of those places where you're 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 based are places where actually putting more of these high skilled jobs is just such a bonus for that local economy and local local community and then if you can actually make sure you're building almost those talent supply chains through yeah. the local schools work then it's a win-win for everyone isn't it it is, Justine. I think um, I mean, I'm really proud of our relationship with the Purpose Coalition here because I think the light that's being shone on the levelling up agenda is absolutely critical because people look at some of the kind of locations that we operate and they say, oh, they're, they're pretty affluent. If you go into the town centres or some of the areas surrounding where we operate, they're some of the highest, uh, highest deprived uh, areas in the country they don't receive the investment they don't get the opportunity so the fact that we in those communities can give people meaningful employment the chance of career development education and skills I think is exactly what leveling up is about we can bring real value into those communities help supply chains grow help that community build support academia in schools um, our, our STEM and outreach activities, I think, are, are some of the proudest things that um, I think we do. We, we do something called STEM Return, as you might have mm. heard of, which gives the chance for um, mainly women that have had a um, family that are maybe a little bit nervous about coming back into uh, corporate life or engineering. And this gives them a platform to come in, try it, work experience almost. And then if they're performing and they want to... Um, take the opportunity we give them a job and we've given jobs to I think every single STEM returner which is 50 to 80 people off the top of my head uh, that we've had on the program today so that leveling up piece is actually taking place um, in those communities that we're supporting and it's not just Leonardo I will name check a few partner companies BA Systems do the same Babcock do the same um, so there are organisations in the defence sector that are really pushing forward on this agenda. We're delighted to have you as part of the Purpose Coalition because it's all about bringing together those very different businesses and beyond, actually, as you know. Um, yes. We've got universities, NHS trusts, local authorities, bringing all those leaders together to really show that we can make a massive difference on extending more opportunities to more people and I think all the stuff on STEM is fascinating especially the returners work because a big debate now is almost how do you get many of those people often 
I hate this phrase, older workers over 50. I don't think people over 50 <laughs> think they're particularly old. But there is a genuine returners question that's now really being thought about. And I'm sure there are lots of learnings from some of the work that you've done, um, in this case, aimed at you know women coming back into the workforce that are really applicable to, to people who perhaps are a bit older, maybe, and, and almost wanting a career 2.0 chance yeah. to, to be able to kickstart things again absolutely i think there's a there's a few threads of course we've seen kind of post the pandemic the i think it's been coined as the great retirement um and in our industry in particular does um experience a very high age profile in its demographic mm -hmm. and um, what we've been very keen to do is look at reskilling retraining the digital um agenda is massive mm -hmm. it's particularly for security and defense we need to ensure we've got people with the, the skills in ai machine learning all of those buzzwords that are coming forward so that investment there but that's giving people a chance to move potentially away from some of the more traditional activities they might do with us into the more uh, digital software development space i think Hi, do you feel like your your employees also are changing their attitudes towards retraining and upskilling and actually they're starting to think more themselves anyway about well what do i need to do to keep myself up to date and uh, and where i might where my i might i want to get new skills to sort of progress my career absolutely justine i think we we've always had this concept of lifelong learning in um aerospace and defense and i think um now more than ever we're seeing people actually you talk about portfolio careers maybe where they've said mm -hmm. okay i've done hr for a few years i've done engineering for a few years i've done government affairs um, and they're picking up these experiential um points on the way and what that gives you is a package for an employee's perspective mm -hmm. something that's very credible and very marketable unfortunately and we see a huge amount of people looking to um be taken from the defense sector into commercial sectors into banking into fintech um, so we've really got to um, balance the challenges that we have there with the investment in our people because it's the, we are a people business. It's the capability and the innovation of our people that drive our success. Um, so that learning that we can help instill in them and allow them to um, go and experience is absolutely critical. I think that's spot on. And in a sense, I think for any employer, but maybe really, especially for, for an employer like Leonardo, it's these two challenges of, talent and technology isn't it and being able to do what you need to do on both of those is crucial I think for for your future success yeah absolutely um as I said we've got this kind of aging demographic and we've got a lot of people coming in um at the front end now and what we've been struggling to do because you might remember in the 80s early 90s there was this dip in apprenticeships people didn't mm. think apprenticeships in in uh, young people programs were important we've somehow got to connect that experience at the uh, more senior end mm -hmm. with the capability the innovation and the um, enthusiasm coming through at the bottom end and, and then pull that together um, i would love maybe i um, shouldn't comment on this but we'd love to see some maybe changes to the um, approach that we have in tax to um, ensure that we can keep some people that have maybe paid into their pension schemes and mm -hmm. reached a, a particular kind of comfort in their their lives um, as they come towards the end of their employment cycle. But we need to keep those people in business. Their experience is critical for us. 
and we need to then deploy that into the younger populations coming soon. And if we maybe look at the way we construct finances and the pensions system mm -hmm. of this, this country, we might be able to keep those people in business a little bit longer. Um, I mean, I think that's a really important point. And we do need to think differently, don't we, about all of these areas. And for obviously for Leonardo and all of the investment it puts into apprenticeships, what's your sense about, you know, if you were able to make some key changes going forward to the apprenticeship levy, where do you want to see those next steps taken policy-wise to allow you you know, what, what will make it easier, in a sense, for Leonardo to do more apprenticeships for more people? I think um, you, many, many people had a view on the levy when it came in, and of course, um, it's had its criticism. But actually, the, the, the premise about the levy is the right one. What we need is the ability to be flexible and for organisations such as Leonardo to be able to deploy that levy into supply chain companies, into mm -hmm. SMEs. Uh, into other organizations that can benefit it, from it as well. Um, it's a little bit inflexible. So if we could just free up some of the thinking around it, we could spend that money on other employees and upskilling. I think that mm -hmm. opportunity um, will really bring big dividends in the future. So it's about unlocking the potential of the levy to be less, uh, be more flexible. I think then if we look at a kind of, the broader skills agenda, we've got to invest more in education um, mm -hmm. at 16, at 18, and at university. Um, we can't afford to fall behind our international peers. We know China, we know the US, we know India is investing significant amounts in its graduate and um, school populations. We need to be doing the same and bettering uh, because we will fall behind. There is a war for talent in the UK but there's a war for talent internationally. And we need to be able to ensure we stay at the forefront of that. The levy can be a mechanism that helps achieve some of those aims. I think that's spot on. And what really, so I was the um, education secretary that actually introduced the levy. And I remember having that debate with Treasury about putting in the supply chain flexibility, because it seemed to me that it was critical. critical. But I also wanted it there because I was interested to see to what extent companies would start to work more collectively to enable apprenticeships to be done. Because my view was actually they, there is more co-working than, than perhaps policymakers had realised. And I think we are ready for that, that next reform, if you like, of the apprenticeship levy. It's been in for, what, say, four or five years. I think we've got a good sense of how business is using it, what the opportunities are. You've got the lifelong learning agenda that you talked about a bit earlier. And I think there's a real opportunity to start knitting these things together now for, for employers more effectively. Agree fully. I think if we could see education, mm -hmm. working with, of course, industry and business, um, you can start to then look at how we can deploy the funding more effectively, how we can get better return, that we can invest in, uh, the teachers, um, the professors at university, the research projects, and we can start really delivering when we talk about supply chain resilience, when we talk about all the things that the pandemic and the war in Ukraine are teaching us around needing to have strong, robust capabilities in the UK. You start to see an agenda that can really deliver against those points. I think, so I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I really do hope that 
we will see some of that reform. Um, but before I, I always sort of finish off with some some quick fire questions in a way. But before we do that, you mentioned the war in Ukraine, and obviously, I think it's really been a time when none of us expected to see conflict like that so on our doorstep. And and you know, you're seeing scenes of communities that you can really relate to because you know it feels like your own. The, the look and feel of it could be could be anywhere in in the UK in many respects. Do you feel do you feel that people are almost reframing how they would look at a company like Leonardo and you know this sense of how crucial some of that defense capability is for Ukraine? Um, is it? Do you feel having an impact on on people's perceptions of, of what you do and why it matters? I think we're, we're starting to see a shift. And if I just take it through the lens of um, I, people have views, of course they do, and everyone's entitled to their views um, regardless of what they are. Um, but the chance in this country is you can have those views. You can say what you want to say pretty much when you want it's to say fine. it. Um, some people take that to an extreme sometimes, and um, we don't necessarily agree with that. But it's because we have the capabilities um, and organizations such as Leonardo that provide assurance in those areas, those people can do that. And I think the tragic scenes that we've seen in, in the Ukraine and in Eastern Europe really do demonstrate that you need strong defense to have good ESG. Mm -hmm. almost so um i think we need to ensure that we keep the investment in defense at the level it needs to be i think um we and the defense se sector is pr probably pretty good at this supports open debate i'm mm -hmm. happy to be challenged yeah, yeah. at any point by anyone around what we do and how we do it because i think on balance when you look at the things that we contribute to the wider society it gives you more return than not having us and I would be very concerned at the moment if organisations such as Leonardo were in existence. Yeah, and so your point is any of the rest of what we might want to do in any country, but here including the UK, is predicated on having a strong defence and, and having that capability. And actually, Ukraine's unfortunately a great example of, of just, just how vulnerable some countries can be. Um, if another country, in this case Russia, thinks actually we think we can we can go in there, and and then of course, as you say, everything goes backwards, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And as I know, and then and then I'm gonna I'm going to move on to my quickfire questions. As I know, <laughs> you know, the years the years I spent as development secretary, um, I think really sharpened my focus on on social mobility and opportunity because actually I saw that it was countries that were unstable and in conflict that people were were leaving you know so people want to stay at home for opportunity um but if they can't get it at home then they will leave and and, and almost put anything on the line including their lives to be able to have a better life where they can have some opportunity, but instability and conflict are, are these key drivers of that. And so we learned, I think over the years, and you look at Syria and all the impact that's had on the Syrian people, if you can get upstream and prevent that, then that is far more effective, obviously, 
then getting to the stage where where you have conflict and you're trying to then recover recover an unstable situation so I know I think I think it's um it there hasn't been a time I can think of where it's been more starkly clear in a sense of of the role that Leonardo plays in all of that um now quick fire questions I want to almost finish where we started Clive because I I think that will bring us around neatly so you obviously have your own journey in Leonardo I think it I think is such a fantastic story, isn't it? And so powerful and such a message to people listening to this that actually there are different routes and 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 yours yours is a great demonstrator of that. But if you did is there that piece of advice you were given, Clive? That little Clive got that really helped you get on the right track and that you think you know what I've always borne that in mind and 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 you want to pass on now there there was one thing Justine yes I was I was always told it was it was one of um the individuals that started to train me when I when I first joined and we I was doing something called riveting a bathtub which is the bottom (laughs) end of the steeping for anyone that, that 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 doesn't know um I was always told just to respect people and treat them with kindness and courtesy because you never know when you might meet them again. Yeah. And it's funny because um, on my journey through the organisation over the, the years, I've kind of come across people many, many times and in two or three have always said, oh, you were always smiling, you always got on and you always kind of went and did what we asked for you, regardless of how annoying or um, how kind of menial you thought of the task. And, and that kind of sentiment of what was told to me has always stayed with me because you'll see a lot of people in a career and in life in general. I think if you just treat people with common courtesy and decency, um, that will come back to you in some way. It's almost like a bit of karma, I suppose. Well, I think I think that's I think whoever gave you that advice, it was it's brilliant advice, I think. And then, you know, on your own journey, if you were if you were giving some different advice, you know, that in a sense you've picked up to add to that, what, what do you think it would be, Clive? So I, I get asked this by um, apprentices and graduates now, Justine, and, and the thing I say to them, it's difficult, but I always tell them to say yes. And the reason I do that is because in an organisation, um, the leadership or someone, would you like to do something? And if you say yes, then you've opened up a million of opportunities straight away. Because when you say no, you close it down. And then you don't know if anyone's ever going to come in and ask you a question again because you said no. So my my little bit of advice to them is say yes, accept the challenge, and then worry a little bit later how you're going to fix it. But because you've been nice to all of those people that you've created uh, those relationships with, they're going to help you out. So you're not on your own in trying to deliver um, what you said yes to. That is fantastic. And, and I'm going to say, to say to our podcast listeners, what would happen if you had a year of saying yes? Maybe 2023 is the year to give that concept a go. Because I think I think you're right, you're right, Clive. I think I've always been the kind of person who I just thought, well, I'd give it a go. What's the worst that can happen is I find out I don't like something, in which case I won't do it again. But actually, um, it may be the thing that I try that 
is what I love. And I just didn't realize that before. And so I, I think being open to, to just that new opportunity is absolutely crucial. Agree, fully. Right, finally, I think we shouldn't finish before, for anybody who's been really inspired to hear about, you know, what Leonardo is doing and, and all of that focus on talent and skill and apprenticeships. If people are really interested to find out more, Clive, where, where can they go and, and have a bit of a Google or, or have a look on the web? Yeah, absolutely, Justine. If anyone's interested, then they can hop over to leonardo.com, uh, uh, follow the links through to the career site. All of the information is on there. There's some really fantastic um, stories from our current trainees. There's, there's opportunities to see some of the technology there. Equally, um, we can get people my details. I'm more than uh, willing for them to contact me directly and we can uh, have a conversation more than open to do that. Um, so yeah, through the through the uh, web page, through the internet, um, and onto the link, onto the site. Brilliant, Clive Higgins of Leonardo. It's just been absolutely fantastic having you on. Thanks for taking the time. I know how busy you are, but it's just been fascinating hearing more about what Leonardo does, but also about all of those opportunities and all of those places where you are putting them. So. Thanks for your time. I know it'll be a great listen for everyone and it's been much appreciated. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Justine.